This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. This week's Parsha, Parsha Mishpatim, takes us down from the heady heights of Ma'amad Har Sinai and the revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's power um, in the Aseret Dibrot to the very detailed laws of Parashat Mishpatim. Sometimes it's a little disorienting as we leave the narrative behind, the stories behind, and we now enter into a world of law. Uh, all of our Mepharshim explain that there is indeed no contradiction at all between Har Sinai and the detailed code that we find here in Parashat Mishpatim. And it is the Ramban who says in his introductory comments to Parsha Mishpatim, that if you look carefully at the Parsha, you will see that every law that is mentioned in the Aserat Debrot is given its explanation and its derivative in this week's Parsha. Let me try and explain. Uh, if we have Lotir Tzach, you mustn't kill, all the laws of murder, manslaughter and personal injury are laid out here in Parshat Mishpatim. If it says, Lotignov, you mustn't steal. So likewise, in this week's Parsha, we have all the laws of property damage, uh, borrowing, lending, etc. We're told about Shabbat in the Aseret brought in the Ten Commandments. And in Parshat Mishpatim, we see the laws of Shabbat, Shemitah, and the various festivals, the Chagim. In other words, at Mount Sinai we heard the headlines, we heard the moral imperatives, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, keep Shabbat, honor your parents. And now we have to enter into the practical examples, the details. We can't be left in the world of general rules because we won't know how to apply those general rules to the strange circumstances and idiosyncratic situations which human beings find themselves. And therefore, uh, as Rashi says, Kashulchan Aruch, like a table set out before people, uh, Parshat Mishpatim lays out all the different laws so that we're aware that there are broad moral imperatives, but there are also detailed instructions which can guide our lives in every situation. That is the world of Parshat Mishpatim. If we're dealing with derivatives of the Ten Commandments, almost like the Ten Commandments are like the Avot, they are like the archetype, and Parshat Mishpatim is the Toladot, is the derivatives, is the details, one area in which Parshat Mishpatim excels is the area of law and the courts of law. Especially if you look in chapter 23, Parak Chav Gimel, you will see, for example, laws about uh, the notion of false witness. We see the principle of uh, the majority, where it says, We have the principle of not favoring anybody in the law courts, not the rich and not the poor. Or, 
the notion of honesty, being very careful to practice absolute equality before the law. And I would imagine that this collection of laws which we find at the beginning of chapter 23, are indeed a derivative of the ninth commandment, the prohibition against swearing falsely of being a false witness in the courtroom. In other words, our our system of justice has to be perfectly clean, it has to be honest, it has to be reliable. This week I would like to focus on a single pasuk in our parsha, um, And that is a rather enigmatic uh, uh, verse, which you will find here uh, at the end of chapter 22. And it relates to the situation of of the judges of our leaders. It says in Parachaf Bet, Pasuk Chavzayin, Elohim lot kalel, v'nasi ba'amacha lotaor. Do not curse God, or do not curse Elohim, v'nasi ba'amcha, and to the elevated individual, Chazal say, nasi here does not refer to a prince of tribes, but rather refers to the king, v'nasi ba'amcha, and to the elevated one amongst your people, lotaor, you mustn't curse. In other words, don't curse Elohim and don't curse the king. Now who is this Elohim that we're not allowed to curse? Rashi makes two, gives us two options. Elohim lot kalel, harizu ashara But the word Elohim means, not Elohim, Hashem, but Elohim means actually a judge. A judge who's hara lekilelat hadayan. He tells us that sometimes the word Elohim does not mean God at all. It sits in court. Indeed, this is the way that uh, Targum Unculus translate this. Dayana lotakil. Do not curse a judge. And Rabbeinu Sajigon simply says Elohim means Dayan. This is uh, echoed in most of the Mepharshim, Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, the Sephorno, and many others. Now, we're going to have to try and deal with two questions here. First of all, why is the judge phrased in the terms Elohim? What exactly does that mean? Number two, why is the judge clubbed together here with the Nasi, with the king? What exactly is the connection between them? And why do we need a specific law to tell us not to curse judges. So let's begin with trying to explain this law. The Rashbam explains quite simply that that the Torah relates to the norms of society, the way people work. Kings and judges uh, both pronounced laws in monetary cases and in capital cases. So he says, People are likely to curse them. In every single court case, there will always be a winner and a loser. And the person who loses the case is probably going to curse the king or the judge who pronounces the law. It is interesting here that uh, 
the Rashbam is relating to kings in their judiciary capacity or in their ruling capacity. Um, and in fact, in Nevi'im, we frequently find that kings function in a legal situation. People come to them for legal uh, discussions and rulings. So this will explain the juxtaposition of king and judge and will also explain why people want to curse them. Uh, Sephora says similarly, Even if you think that he wasn't particularly nice to you in court, did he sway your judgment? Do not curse the judge. Whenever you're in the courtroom, you will never see things straight. You will always see your side of the argument in focus much more clearly than the other. And therefore our tendency is always to blame the judge. Of course I'm right. This comes to calm us down a little bit, to cool us down and say, Elohim lot kalel, don't be so quick to, to, to judge the judge, to curse the judge, because you are impar- you, you are partial, you are biased, the judge is meant to be impartial. Um, likewise, very interestingly, the Sfarnas says, Do not curse the king. He says, Because usually the king, The king might not be so good for you, but in general, the losses will outweigh the gains. If you discredit government, then a weak government will probably be bad for everybody. Don't curse the king because we all need a strong government. And maybe we remember that line in Perkei Avot that, that we should always pray for the government because if it was not for the fear of government, we would swallow each other alive. Government is very important and therefore this is a pasuk which seems to boost and uh, tell people that they should realize um, there is a propensity to really want to hate judges and kings and governments, but we should realize that these are important pillars of society that we should support. One second approach here um, is mentioned by the Sefer HaChinuch, and I'd just like to mention it very quickly. And the Sefer HaChinuch actually argues that this is not for the pillars of justice, but this is actually for the judges themselves. The Sefer HaChinuch claims that if uh, judges feel that they will be susceptible to people's curses and to people's, uh, you know, anger, their incitement against against judges, then judges might become intimidated. And the Sefer HaChinuch says that in order to ensure that the judges will remain impartial and they will remain honest and committed to a true mode of justice, he says, that this law is there to take away from the judges the fear and the intimidation of the people they are judging and their curses. In order that they will produce an honest judgment. Um, and it's, it's a certainly an interesting perspective that the Sefer Chinuch takes. However, I would, uh, in other words, so what we've said so far is that there is a special law here which is uh, there to either ensure respect for the law 
so that people will understand the needs for institutions of state, institutions of law, on the one hand, or on the other hand, to ensure that the judges are looked after and that there isn't a sense of incitement against the uh, forces of law in the country. But I would like to take a step back and ask the question, uh, where does this phrase Elohim come from that it means uh, judges? Where exactly is this from and what does it mean? So I think we have to go back to the root of this word, Elohim. Where does it, uh, what does it mean? One of the interesting things about the word Elohim is that it is a plural. Um, Elohim seems to be a, a plural form. And therefore the question is, what does the word El mean? What, is, what does it mean? The, the word El seems to mean power. In Bereshit Periklamad Aleph, Pasuk Haftet, we hear the words of Lavan, the uh, Lavan, Lavan Ha'arami, and he is about, he's in, in, in conflict with Yaakov, and he's been chasing Yaakov because Yaakov is running away from him, and he makes a comment, he, he's, he's trying to chase Yaakov, and God came to him in a dream and told him that he wasn't allowed to attack Yaakov. And this is what he says, do you think I have the power to do anything bad to you? God came to me yesterday and told me I can't do anything bad to you. But he uses the word Yesh Le'el Yadi. Do I have the power in my hand? El means power. And now we understand possibly the use of the word Elohim. Where does the word Elohim come up for God? Elohim for Hashem really appears in Bereshit Perak Aleph. Bereshit bara Elohim et HaShemayim et Aretz. And why do we use the word Elohim here? The plural of El. Well, of course, Bereshit Perak Aleph is the uh, creation of nature. And we know that in the ancient world, uh, they took all the different natural forces, whether it was the force of the sun or the moon or the wind or the sea or what have you, and they made them into gods. These are all, as we call them, forces of nature. Force. Power. El. Elim. And therefore, we can say, Micha mocha ba'ilim Hashem. What we really mean is, not just who is like you amongst the gods, but really who is amongst you amongst the powers. And therefore, Elohim, as a plural form of El, actually means that God is the some of the powers. He is all of the powers together. Hashem represents all the powers of nature. Elohim is a plural. And therefore, we understand that in Bereshit Perak Aleph, we use the word Elohim to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is majestically in charge of nature. He controls every force of nature. There aren't many gods running around, rivals with one another. Um working one against the other. There is only one God, Elohim, Elohim, the summer of all the, the forces, one force, which is a plural, which is all the forces together. And this should be contrasted with the name Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke, which is some sort of hybrid of Hayaho Vevayihayeh, some derivative of the verb of being that God is in the past, in the present, in the future he simply is Yudke Vavke is the term used for 
Hashem like his proper name, his private name. If you want to refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you can use Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is the name which exclusively defines God. But the word Elohim simply means powers or gods, and therefore we can talk about, and we did last week in the Ten Commandments, talk about Elohim Achirim, other deities. So the word Elohim is not exclusively Kadosh. It is not exclusively holy. It can mean God, it can mean Hashem, it can mean other gods, and it can simply mean forces of nature. Now, we have to understand that here, uh, so, so sorry, let's come back to the idea of, of judges and Elohim, or Elohim. Parashat Mishpatim repeats time and time again the role of the judges, or the Beit Din, as being Elohim. I don't know if we've paid enough attention to it throughout the course of the parasha. If you look at the beginning of the parasha, Eved Ivri. Eved Ivri is meant to work, the Jewish slave is meant to work for six years and rest on the seventh. But if he wants to stay and he says, I lie, I love my master, I love my wife, my children, I don't want to go free. You will take him to Elohim. Who's Elohim? Elohim means the Bet Din. You take him to the courts, and the courts are the one who uh, pierce his ear. Now it is true that Chazal say, that some way we take him to God, and we say to him, doesn't God want you to be free? But the Pshat meaning here is that Elohim means you take him to the courts. This is reiterated later on in Parshat Mishpatim, where... Um, we deal with a situation in which there is property which has been given to somebody to look after. I'm reading here from Perak Chafbet, chapter 22, verse 6, Perak Chafbet, Pasuk Vav. And there, in chapter 22, verse 6, we read, We have a situation in which I have given somebody something of mine to look after, and it gets stolen. And... The worry is that if there isn't any sign of a thief, then I will claim that the person I have given it to for safe custody has actually pocketed it himself, that he has decided to keep it. If I have a dispute with somebody and I say, I gave you something to look after, you decided to keep it, you say it's stolen, but it isn't, you've kept it. How can we know the truth? So we're told there, If there is no thief, Whenever you have a dispute about property, twice in a few lines it says, you should go to the Bet Din. The Bet Din here is referred to as Elohim. Of course, why is that the case? Why is the Bet Din called Elohim? Because the Bet Din is the power within society. Ultimately, who decides, who is, again, I'm going to use this word force. What is the force of law? What is the Elohim of law? Who is the power within society? It is the Bet Din. There is no story which exemplifies this more than a story that we find in Bereshit Perak Vav, which deals with the Bnei Elohim. It is the story right at the end of Parashat Breshit, which precedes the um, 
generation of the flood and sort of gives us an indication of why the generation of the flood, uh, why the flood actually happened, where the violence came from. I'll read a few lines. It says there, it's a very cryptic parsha and it's difficult to understand, but we'll take a look at a few uh, lines of it. We're talking about a situation where society is expanding, there are men, there are women, and it says, The Bnei Elohim saw the daughters of man. The Bnei Elohim, who are they? Who are these sons of God? Rashi says what it means is the sons of the judges. In other words, there was a judiciary, there was a force of law, and their children saw themselves as having certain rights, and they would simply take um, women, they would take women, other men's wives, they would feel they had a right to any woman in society. And this is when God says, God explicitly says, from the word din, I will, my spirit will not rest upon man forever. He is only flesh. God gives the world another 120 years to shape up or to face destruction. And we have the sense here that these B'nai Elohim, B'nai Elohim al-Banota Adam, that we have these um, B'nai Elohim, children of Elohim, sons of Elohim, who are the, according to most Mepharshim, the sons of the judges, that here we have a society where the judiciary has become corrupt, and therefore society moves into a situation of violence, of Hamas, the society is destroyed, the sense that once law and order breaks down, chaos reigns, people can um, simply run wild, and there is no order in society. So, the need for Elohim, the need for some sort of controlling factor within society is is enormous. And this is the importance, maybe why we see multiple times through Parashat Mishpatim, the use of this word Elohim as it applies to to the judiciary, to the judges, to the Bet Din themselves. And here I'd like to relate to the words of the Ramban. The Ramban comments in uh, Perak Chaf Aleph here, the first time that the word Elohim comes up, he discusses why it is that we use the word Elohim. I'm reading here from the Ramban's comments to the Ramban's comments to Pasuk Vav, Perak Chaf Aleph Pasuk Vav, and this is what he says. He says, why do we use the word Elohim? Um, the judges are called gods. The judges are there to keep the laws of God on, on earth. And he says, when it says, and the masters will bring the slave to God, what are they saying? He says, Lirmoz, it comes to hint, Ki Elohim Yemahim Midvar Hamishpat. That God is there amongst the judges. Hu Yatstik Vuhuya Shia. 
when the judges judge God's law, God is actually with them. And in a sense, there is some sort of hybrid between judges who are judging what they consider to be the law of truth, Torah Hashem. And if you want, God empowers them. I'll say more than that. God is with them. And he quotes a number of psukim in this regard. Devarim Perek Aleph, where it says, Ki hamishpat lelohimhu. Justice is to God. And maybe even more significant, it's the Shir Shel Yom that we say every Tuesday, where we say, Elohim nitzav badat el, v'kerev Elohim yishpot. That perek is an incredible perek, and I'd just like to deal with one aspect of it. We're dealing with Tehillim, chapter Peibet. Tehillim, uh, Peibet. And there, it seems like we're dealing with a situation in which the judges are not doing their job. Mizmor asaf Elohim nitzav barat el bekerev Elohim yishpot, which generally is seen to, to mean God stands in the community of God. In other words, God stands amongst the judges. Bekerev Elohim yishpot. God judges the judges, and He says to the corrupt judiciary, Ad matai tishpetu avel ufnei rishayin tisusela. Why are you abrogating your power? Why are you judging falsely? Why are you bearing the faces of the evil? Instead, what should you do? Shiftu del viatom. Go out and take up the case of the poor, of the orphan, of the ani. Ani varashatstiku. Go and look out for the poor and destitute. Paltu del veevyon Save the powerless from the evil people. Um... He warns these judges, You think, I appointed you as gods. I appointed you as judges, as supreme beings, but your punishment will be, You will fall. You will fall down just like a human being. What we see here is that there is some sort of, how should I say it, some sort of overlap between judges and God Judges judge God's laws. They are the ones who take God's laws and bring it into society. More than that, the judges are there to provide order in society. I believe it is the Malbim who says that God brings the world into being, but it is the work of the judges that sustain mankind and sustains the world itself. Because since man is a social animal, and it's impossible that nobody will have uh, conflicts and disputes. It's impossible that there won't be oppression and violence. Uh, this undermines the entire cohesion and the collective living of society. And therefore, there has to be a regulating norm. There has to be a law. And therefore, the judges are instructed to be Elohim. They are instructed to be the power on earth in order to sustain creation. So now... Maybe we understand clearer this uh, um, amazing statement um, where the word Elohim is used. Again, I return to our original comment of Rashi. What does it mean when we say Elohim lo tekalel, don't curse Elohim? Rashi says it can mean one of two things. It can mean don't curse God or don't curse the judges. The judges have such a unique role. The forces of law and law enforcement in society have such an important function that there is almost an overlap between what they do and what's and what happens with God. And by the way, then we understand why it's so severe 
when we have corrupt judges, when we have a corrupt judiciary, and we understand the unbelievable responsibility um, of people who do uphold the law within society. I'd like to finish with one uh, last comment, and this comment uh, comes from the Rambam in Hilchot Sanhedrin. And the Rambam there relates to the fact that this Pasuk um, might talk about the judges, but this goes much further. This is what the Rambam says. Anyone who curses a Dayan, call him a Kalel Dayan mi Dayan Israel. If you ever curse a, a judge, you transgress a commandment as it says, Elohim Lot Kalel. And he says, likewise, if you curse the Nasi, or even the head of the Sanhedrin, who is considered to also be in the category of Nasi, then you transgress this next bit of the Pasuk where it says, Nasi Bam Or, do not curse the Nasi. But the Ramam then goes on and says, that even if you curse any Jew, any Jew at all, you are also liable. And he brings a pasuk from actually Vayikra, where it says, Lot Kalel Cheresh. You should never curse a deaf person. And he says, why does it say a deaf person? That even somebody who can't hear and isn't even bothered by the fact that you curse him, you are considered liable if you curse him, all the more so every single Jew. The truth is that the Rambam brings the source in Vayikra, but the Mechilta here in, in Shemot says that the source is in our very verse. Elohim lot kalel v'nasi ba'amcha lot ta'or. Do not curse the judge, but do not curse the nasi amongst your people. And the Mechilta here, the Mechilta de Rabbi Ishmael says, I understand that you're not allowed to curse the king or the judge, but how do I know? Shar kol adam How do I know I'm not allowed to curse anyone? Talmud Lomar, Ba'amcha Lotaor, Vanasi Ba'amcha Lotaor. It could have just said, Vanasi Lotaor. But instead it says, Vanasi Ba'amcha Lotaor. What is Ba'amcha? Just like you shouldn't curse the king and you shouldn't curse the judge, you shouldn't curse any Jew. You shouldn't curse any civilian. And here, I think what uh, they're saying is the, is, the, is the following. We're dealing with the technical problem of curses, but really, any sort of uh, verbal assault, any sense of ridicule, is is a harmful act. We're we're talking about cursing any person, because you can confront a person, and you can challenge their policies, you can engage in debate, but when the debate, or the discussion, or even the disagreement, turns to a curse, when it gets ugly and personal, when it becomes not just a critique, but it becomes an attack, then we are undermining society. Just like we said that an attack, a curse on the on the judiciary, intimidates the judiciary, a curse on any other person, on any other civilian, undermines the very fabric of society and the foundations of, of, of civilization. And therefore here the Torah is really warning us that our speech is exceptionally powerful. The way we talk and express ideas are critical to the ability of society to function. Uh, sometimes here in Israel we talk about alimut milulit, the notion of verbal violence. And uh, we're only too aware of how the way we speak within society can sometimes lead to tremendous disaster um, and violence. And therefore, this pasuk should alert us 
not only to the importance of having an honest courtroom, but the importance of the way we talk, the way we talk about authority, and this applies to authority in, in all different ways, uh, because in our each in our different lives there are different people who set up society, who are the forces in society, who create sense and order and meaning within our lives, and that we should realize that our carefully chosen language is critical in order to create an environment of respect, lack of intimidation, so that we can actually spread the words of Elohim, the words of Hashem, through the medium of human beings. Elohim, not Kalel, or Elohim, not Kalel, Thank you very much.